Hello and welcome to Heroes of New York, a podcast about everyday heroes who have refused to let the pandemic stop them from serving others. In every episode, I will introduce to you someone who has risen above the odds to uplift people around them. I'm your host, Anu Senan. Hello and welcome to Heroes of New York. Our guest of the day is a nationally recognized speaker and author. She's the first woman in the world to hold both the accredited speaker designation from Toastmasters International and the certified speaking professional designation from the National Speakers Association. She's a former professional jazz dancer and for the last 35 years, she has been running movement classes. Her passion is to spread awareness about health and wellness. And during this crisis, she has opened the virtual doors of her Zoom classes to women to promote health and wellness. And she does it for free. And that's why she's on the show with us today. I'm so happy to have Rochelle Rice here with us on Heroes of New York. Welcome, Rochelle. Great. Thank you. It's great to be here with you. Thank you very much. Rochelle, I heard from you that the most important thing during such chaotic times is to build pockets of certainty, having a sense of normalcy. And I, I truly believe that is important. Would you like to share more about this with our listeners? Yes, within the first week or two when we started this shelter in place in New York City, I had listened to a colleague of mine, Mike Staver, who did a did a webinar about what do we need right now. And that phrase, pocket of certainty, really stuck with me. Because what that meant was we, there's a lot of things at that time that were not certain, but what could we do that would created pockets of certainty for people? And that's how I started with going back to doing these classes of, you know, holding the time and the space consistently week after week. So people would know they could count on me to be there and create this pocket of certainty that would show up each Tuesday and Thursday night. How would you or how do you see a person building that into their daily life? Are there any tips around how you, you can build a schedule that that, you know, helps them have a sense of normalcy? Yes, when we talk about these pockets of certainty, these are things that we have got to put into our schedule part. We're in this for a, a long haul, I believe, especially in urban areas. And so having this scheduling, I mean, it, whether it's in a, on a piece of paper for the day, whether it's in your Google Calendar, whatever, or an app that you have, putting these things in place so that you have some type of schedule during the day is or actually this tool is one of the tools that will help us walk through this. And the truth is, this is going to happen again, and maybe not necessarily a pandemic, but we're going to have another crisis of sorts, I'm sure, at some point. So having this idea of a pockets of certainty where you know that this is in your schedule, or you know that your children are loved, or you know that um, you have a roof over your head, whatever those pockets of certainty are for you in this moment is what we can lean into. But it's creating that because once we build that muscle, I like to say, then we can have that skill in place. Should something happen again, when this all turned upside down, I don't we've never gone through anything like this before. And I think what was challenging for people was that their schedules, what they knew, there was no schedule anymore. We didn't even know what to do. So there was an adaptability phase right after COVID, right after we went into shelter in place. And the adaptability was, to me, the skill was how quickly can we adapt to this? Some adapted quickly, others were having challenges doing it. And 
I think what I feel the most is that this adaptability skill is also something else that we will look at and work with individually and collectively to be ready and be, what I like to say, more flexible and nimble should some tragedy, catastrophe or crisis happen again. Uh, interestingly, you touched upon adaptability and you said that some people adapted quickly and some didn't. And I wonder if this has something to do with our personality types. You know, people can be extroverts or introverts or sometimes both. And I'm seeing amongst my friends, too, that different people cope differently to this. Is there a way to build that adaptability? Yes. So this has been fascinating for me. I think it's something I'm, I would want to definitely study a little bit more because I look at the adaptability from the body perspective. And what I mean by that is, are you able to, is your body tight and tense? Or are you able to flex and bend and move a bit more? Now, I won't say in this moment that they necessarily correlate one to the other, but it is interesting to me that people who might be you know, a little more tense, a little more tight, that things may not move as quickly. But again, I'm not doing a direct correlation right now, but it's one thing to think about that if your body is in motion and it's able to let all the feelings and the thoughts of, of a, tra a tragedy or this crisis go through their body and kind of acknowledge the thoughts and the feelings and let them continue to move on. But if those things get stuck in you, then it's difficult to sort of continue to adapt and mold and build. The other thing is that I think that it goes back to, and it's all these things I've been thinking about since this whole thing has started. It's, it's a simple thing. If you always put on your right shoe first, try putting the left shoe on first and, and not wait till we're in this upside down world to figure this all out. It's those little things that I think that start to really work in our mind and, and just change things. We don't like it maybe, but the more flexible we become at changing these small little things, even if it's I brush my teeth with my right hand all the time, why don't I brush it with the left hand? Just again, to, to be willing to do something different from a what I look at as a body perspective. So once my body's in motion in a different direction, it's also changing the way I'm thinking. So do you advise your listeners and your students to do things differently? Or in other words, are you asking them to get comfortable with change? So it's a very interesting question. And I'll tell you why. These are all things that I have been thinking about. But what's happened over the last eight weeks is that people needed to find structure and sameness. Okay, so so I'm working on this in the background and maybe somebody who's, who's done a lot of self-work, self-awareness, self-development may be willing to go into that space of understanding that I have to work my brain differently for adaptability. But what I've been doing with the clients that I have is, is helping hold time, space and structure. Right? So I'm starting on time, I'm ending on time. I say we go from six to seven, boom, and I'm on it. The structure, we're always going to be doing movement together. The space, you'll always be together on this virtual platform now as long as on, as long as we are together. And I continue to keep the conversation. If, uh, if the pause gets pushed out, I'm still here. So it's interesting that you asked me the adaptability because I think it's something that I'm working on. But I, I spent more time over the last eight weeks helping people to stabilize. And perhaps now going forward, we can do the adaptability piece a little bit more. I think it's important for me to know who, who is my audience, who am I speaking with. If you're someone that can already do a lot of different things and feels that they're at least making it through this time, you know, through a, tra a tragedy or a crisis, then definitely go for the adaptability and try different things. What I recognized during this time was 
things were so upside down. I keep using that. It's like people didn't have their footing. They didn't really know what to do. So by providing the structure, it gave them a sense of foundation and footing that now I think they can stand on, they rely on, they come on as a community and we're all there together. And now maybe we can introduce some adaptability skills for the next time. So what does a one hour class look like? What do you include in it? As I mentioned, the most important thing that I'm seeing is that I'm on usually seven to 10 minutes early, right before the start of the class, but I start at 6 p.m. straight up. And there's that pocket of certainty, it's very consistent. Uh, we do some, mostly a lot of stretches and upper body work to kind of get things going. And then we have some uh, larger movements as we move to flex and bend the body and try. Most importantly, I think, is to get the breath back into the body under stress and if people have fear or they are concerned about um, anxiety, there might be anxiety going on. If we can help, if I could help them come into the body a little bit more through movement and breath, I believe we'll stay much more grounded and consistent in being able to kind of, again, keep stepping forward. And the last thing I do is I always end it at seven o'clock straight up and I offer maybe to stay, but I, I, the class is officially over at seven. So that rhythm has helped. Well, the rhythm honestly has helped me. I think I know that they're appreciative, but it also created a pocket of certainty for me and an appreciation for just being able to hold the time, the space, the positivity, the movement. It, 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 it's all given me more than I ever even imagined. You touched upon some very important points in your answer. So one was about getting into your body. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the second one was about breathing. I had a very stressful day today, let me tell you. So I had my full-time job to look into. My son, who's an eight-year-old, needed me during the day for his online classing. And I felt stretched and uh, stressed. And I wanted to, and I tried to breathe and I couldn't. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who would want to know more about how breathing can help you stay more grounded, get tuned into mm -hmm. your body. Can you share some light on that? Yes, absolutely. So I've been doing my, my passion, my expertise is that body-mind connection and how do we self-lead, you know, what's the, how, how do we lead ourselves in these times and not get so swamped with the fear and anxiety of the whole thing. So being able to connect to the body through the anatomical awareness and then the actual skill sets. So let's let's do a couple things about first the anatomy. We have approximately 37 miles of the central nervous system in our bodies, right? 37 miles. So if we're activated in some way, that central nervous system is just getting crazy. And it's very difficult when somebody says just you know slow down, relax and you just want to be like, are you kidding? So it's, it's taking the time to understand. So what I understand from an anatomical perspective, this is 37 miles. The other part is the lungs can hold approximately six liters of air. So, so for you, let's say today being stressed, it was very difficult to get the air into the body. So when I ask people to think about these things, the, the, the central nervous system and the lungs, it almost takes it out of the head and drops it into the body, right? And they kind of go, oh, it's not all out here. It's not all crazy. No, it's in the physical body. So we can do a brief breathing skill if you would like, and it's a very, very simple one. I start with people just, I'll just explain it. So it's, 
an inhale for two counts through the nose, and an exhale for four counts like you're blowing through the straw. Now I start with the two and a four because a lot of people can't get to the four and the six right away. So we'll start, especially under these times, we'll start with the two and the four. So we do a small exhale through the mouth. Inhale through the nose, one, two, exhale, four, three, two, one. Inhale, one, two, exhale, four, three, two, one. So you inhale through the nose, two, exhale through the mouth, three, two, last time, inhale, one, two, exhale, four, three, two, and rest. Wow. That felt that good right away. <laughs> so sometimes the counting can help quiet the mind, right? Because I mean, I'm, I know I'm counting for you, but if, if we were to do it on our own, the quiet, the counting can actually focus and quiet the mind. And then obviously the breathing comes, it starts to come in a little bit fuller and better, but the breathing can help with anxiety. It can help with uh, the entire central nervous system. It can help with blood pressure, uh, keeping those, keeping those things at bay. So, and that one can extend depending on uh, how people want to take it, but that's just a real simple one. And I invite people to usually practice it when they're not stressed so that the body will remember under stress. Oh, I do know how to breathe and I can do this exercise. Rosha, what do you do when you're under stress? What's your go-to tip? Yes, my, my go-to is dance. I, as a former professional jazz dancer, I didn't realize, no, I did know, I did know that. It's always been my medicine. I call it my medicine. I feel that movement is medicine, but, and the dance from my body is just like, like delicious. Like I can't even, I can't even describe the feeling. It's so complete. It's so whole for me. So during this time, my dance teachers have had to really adapt, right? Because we're so used to being together. I mean, there's a lot of people, but I'm saying in the dance world, we're used to being together. We're used to being physical together uh, in the studio. So to watch my dance teachers come online and work this, the movement through a virtual experience has been really, it's been exciting for me just to watch them come online and then to be able to participate again. And I'll tell you one of the interesting things about this when they came online, and I know somebody had told me about this when I was teaching as well. People were happy to just hear the voice, right? So people, someone had said to me, wow, it was just so great to hear your voice. And I felt the same way when I heard my teachers through a virtual class. It was, it was like almost like a soothing balm, you know, it was just like, wow, just your voice was enough to settle my nervous system. So for me, it's always been about movement and dance. I also, I'll be full, full disclosure, I do not go to the gym. I know not now, but I say I'm not a gym person. I'm a movement person. I also have three nephews that I'm still able to be with right now. And uh, we love to go out and play. So we fortunately have been able to do basketball or be out in the woods or something like that. So I'm, I'm one who loves to dance and one who loves to play. In a regular day, how often do you or how long do you work out or get physical activity and how much time do you spend in meditation or breathing? That's a really interesting question because what it was before, I'll say before COVID, was very, very active. It was a very active 
and most of that activity was walking around New York. Um, my body misses climbing subway stairs because I love that feeling in the body. Uh, my body misses those long strides across town where there's a little motion through the legs, through the hips. So what I'm feeling being in, at, in the shelter at home is that my body, the physical body, is missing that kind of movement. So when when we first went into shelter at place, I, I didn't realize it, but I just stopped moving. Everything just stopped. And now when I look back, I try to think, well, is it because the world stopped and I just stopped? I, I, I couldn't, I can't even tell you what has happened, but it's been interesting to try to kind of bring myself up. Um, like I said, with the dance classes, I'm not a fit, you know, I'm not like, let's work out. I'm, I'm more like a movement. So I think for people at home, the most important thing to remember is what movement brings you joy? What, like I had a, I was working with someone today and who's been incredibly, in fact, in Stuyvesant Town, and Peter Cooper, who hasn't been able to go to the gym, right? She's got a high, a, um, underlying issues that that may that bring concern to her so even the idea of getting in an elevator and having to who's coming into the elevator all of this but what we did was uh, she loves Jimmy Buffett and and she put that uh, here we are virtually working together she puts the music on and she is boogieing like I've never seen and I'm thinking right this is what I know how to do is to, to invite them into the music or the or the movement that they absolutely love and that's where I think I'm trying to find from my movement was all based on the city and, and and moving around Manhattan and being in dance classes and I haven't found that and I'm slowly slowly coming back to movement again so I would say to anyone listening if you felt like your whole routine just stopped you know, it's okay. We have never been through anything like this before, ever. So if your movement stopped, instead of beating yourself up, just take a look at, you know, where where does the body feel stress or tension? What does the body feel like doing? And see if you can get clear. Make sure you're clear. Is it your body or your mind that's speaking? You know, your mind may say, I don't feel like doing anything, but your body could be very achy and, and, and wanting to add some type of movement and I would invite you to keep it simple but start a good place to start is even in the fingers and the wrists because they're further away from our center which is where all the emotions are so if it's if it's wrist circles or ankle circles you'll find that it will start kind of work its way into the center of the body um, it's a very safe space to start in safe place I should say to start in as if you're feeling stuck on on how to begin I'm going to start where you stopped, and that is for someone who has never done movement before. What are your suggestions? Yes, you mentioned the wrist and ankle movements, and mm -hmm. what else can they do at home? Are there any particular places on online that you would suggest things that they can do by themselves? Yeah. So let's talk about a couple of things here. One thing that I love to do with with people is that. I ask them, and I'll ask you, what was your favorite movement as a child? Do you have one? As a child, no, but today I love yoga, so I stretch a lot. Okay. I love stretching. So, 
Okay, so is it a, you didn't have a favorite movement? Usually, some, I should say, most of the time when I ask people about what was their favorite movement as a child, I have people who used to jump rope who are now, well, I'll say, 60 years old, right? So they're not going to jump rope. Or, or maybe they were, um, I don't know, I have to think of another activity. Anyway, so let's just say it was jump rope, right? And so I try to ask them to simulate that movement, right? So it's more like a, a kick step, kick step, instead of jumping, and that I get the arms going in the same as if they were jumping rope. And what happens is there's almost like this, this memory in the body that says, oh, my gosh, this was so I had so much fun when I did this as a kid. I was in, in Brooklyn on the streets and this is all that we had that we could do. So the whole body changes, which then the mind changes. So the first thing I do is ask people, I would ask people to check in. What was the movement you enjoyed as a child? And can you do something similar like that, even if it's to move it a little bit in your body? Then the second thing I, I ask people to do is go through the alphabet. And this can be fun if you're at home with family. It can be, it can be done with the kids would love it. So I, we call out the letter A, and somebody has to name an activity that starts with A. So let's say A, archery. So everybody has to do bow and arrow for a few seconds till somebody calls out B and somebody says bowling and everyone does a bowling as if they're bowling together. We go C, catch, they're playing catch and they're throwing to each other. It goes all the way through the alphabet and I generally love to finish with Z which is zip line and everybody puts their arms up and it, it's just a great fun thing. Maybe it takes three minutes and it's good with a group especially, but that is, I want movement to be fun for people, just fun. And so to, to tell people to do something specific, I think the biggest thing would be to just open your arms out to, to a high V because what that does is that opens up the upper body, the, the, uh, the pecs that lay underneath the breast tissue, the, the arm stretch open, the lungs are a little bit more full. So if you're feeling blue, just try lifting your arms up to a big V and just see how that feels. Maybe your head, your face will want to go up towards the sky and stay there and just take a few breaths without any judgment, without any you know, I should have, I could have, whatever, but just stand there and breathe and be blessed. Think of how blessed you are to have this amazing body that can lift your arms and breathe. Going back to stress, one of the biggest reasons of stress today is the external information, the amount of information that surrounds you from news to media and all the negative thinking that comes with that. What do you have to say to that? I would say that we are consuming, consuming is the word, too much media. And given the current, we're just consuming too much. And I would also say that because we're on the screen time for so long on these on our devices, right? It's almost like every time we are on a device, it's a, it's a hit to our brain that comes like a dopamine hit to the brain that keeps us wired up. And it's become a culture of, of comparing ourselves to everybody else, everyone else, worldwide, right? Worldwide. And yet, if we really, if we, you know, trim that down or, or shut that out, stay informed as we need to maybe stay informed about political or COVID or world, world events, but we start to turn inward and we start to listen to that voice of our own, whether some people call it intuition, but, but we listen to that and there is the happiness and the fulfillment. We're always looking externally about what we could have or what we should have or 
uh, the level of jealousy, the level of uh, gossip even, all these things going on that's just chaos and noise. So as great as social media and all of that has been, it's also been a big detriment to who, to developing our own selves, our personal selves, on what makes us happy. What is it that you know we want from this life? What is our purpose? What is our what is really that? What are core values in life? Um, I recently said to someone, especially when this when this whole stay at home kicked in, everybody was very busy. Like, oh, I'll take this class and that class. And while I do think it's it is important to work on your development skills, whether it's personal or professional development skills during this time. I also sometimes wonder if we just need to be quiet and learn more about ourselves. I recently said to someone, I don't need another program. I need to do the work that I have learned already I don't need to consume more I need to put into action whether again it's my per, my self-development my self-awareness or things from my business I don't at this moment don't need to take another class or program I need to work on those things that I already know and really fine-tune my skills it's indeed a great time to self-reflect introspect and you know learn about your own strengths and weakness you'll be surprised at what you'll find especially it's a crisis maybe many of us have never gone through it and it's a time to learn about our own strengths and weaknesses it's been a great time chatting with you Rochelle you took us through building pockets of certainty learning to schedule things so that we build a sense of normalcy getting in touch with our body through breathing and movement and how people can start moving again by going back to what they did in their childhood and how to reflect uh, on one's life and where one wants to go and their purpose instead of focusing on the external information there this has been great I hope our listeners benefit from this conversation with you. Uh, if if there's a place they can find you online, you can share that as well. Yes, absolutely. I, I'm at RochelleRice.com and you can email me Rochelle at RochelleRice.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Rochelle. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on Heroes of New York. Make sure to visit our website, anusenan.com where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes. If you love the show, please leave a rating on iTunes so that we can continue to bring you amazing episodes. Thanks for listening and see you in two weeks from now.